Welcome to the Christian Classical Corner with Jesus the Good Shepherd Anglican Church and the Good Shepherd School Project, where we discuss Christian classical education as a way forward for educating God's children. Greetings, friends in Christ. My name is Margaret Douglas, and I am the headmistress of the Good Shepherd School Project at Jesus the Good Shepherd Anglican Church. Let's talk some classical education. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. A prayer for the joy in God's creation. O Heavenly Father, you have filled the world with beauty. Open our eyes to behold your gracious hand in all your works, that rejoicing in your whole creation, we may learn to serve you with gladness. For the sake of him through him all through whom all things were made, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, hello and welcome, KKVV family. It's great to be back with you again and have the chance to talk some more about Christian classical education as a discipling tool for our children. Now, the last time we gathered, we talked about instilling a sense of wonder in children, which then leads us to worship the creator of that wonder and leads us on to true godly wisdom. I love that prayer that I prayed. It's, it's from our Anglican Church in North America, Book of Common Prayer 2019, back in our occasional prayer section, which has some beautiful prayers in it. It's also sometimes used in our daily morning office that we've talked about here before. If you'd like to check it out, you can do that. Check it out on our website for the Anglican Church of North America at BCP. 2019.anglicanchurch.net. That's where you'll find the full text of the 2019 prayer book. That's bcp2019.anglicanchurch.net. Well, as promised, we do have a very special guest with us today. Father Howard Giles has been the priest and pastor at Jesus the Good Shepherd since opening the church for the Anglican Diocese of San Joaquin what, nearly 13 years ago now, right? Right. A Southern Nevada native, Father Howard received his bachelor's degree right here from UNLV and his Master's of Divinity from the Church Divinity School of the Pacific. In addition to his full-time pastoral care of the flock at Jesus the Good Shepherd, Howard works as a mental health counselor with Early Childhood Mental Health Services of the state of Nevada. He and his lovely wife, Deacon Erin Giles, whom we've hosted on this program before, have six lovely children whom they homeschool and who all attend the Good Shepherd School Atrium Program. Welcome, Father Howard. It's great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Now, you are both an ordained clergy person and a father of six. Right. And from your perspective, what is the most important thing that you do to help form your children's hearts for the Lord? I think the most important thing that we can do is to model the Christian life for our children so uh, they learn what we do more than what we say. Mm. And uh, so if we are uh, worshiping the Lord and we are talking in our daily life about uh, making decisions based on uh, his will for us and discerning his will, uh, then we're able to uh, really instill that uh, in our children and, and show them how it is that we do it in our own lives. 
So I think, uh, you know, having our children see us, uh, you know, read the Word of God and be in prayer and organize our lives around Him is really what's uh, the most important thing. I think about my own childhood. Uh, as you said, growing up here in Las Vegas, uh, my mother uh, led a lot of Bible studies in our home yes. when I was a little kid. And uh, I remember waking up in the mornings and her sitting in her old gold chair and uh, reading her Bible and uh, climbing up into her lap and having her read Bible stories to me. Mm. And uh, I think that's really what we know about children is that they are mimics. Really, we're all mimics. You yes. Know? We hear ourselves speak and we think, oh, my goodness, I sound just like my mother or my father. Right. We're uh, mimics at heart. And so, um, you know, the her love of the scriptures and her devotion to the scriptures really instilled a love in me. And so uh, when when I read the word of God, it's out of that. I think that that love. Uh, that she had and uh, my experience as a child and, and hearing it read and and studied and so um, to me that's absolutely the most important thing and then we really I think have to to read the Word of God in our home on a regular basis in a way that's um, you know that's just kind of a, a normal part of daily living yes. uh, and so being able to tell the the stories of scripture in a way where children can see the whole scope so it's not these uh, little verses picked out or little stories picked out we really need to be able to see the uh, the the whole story of salvation history uh, from Genesis to Revelation we need to be able to tell that story to our yeah. children so um, We've talked on this program before, even as far back as, as Dorothy Sayers and the Lost Tools of Learning, which is kind of a classical education treatise back in the 40s. Yeah. You know, and, and at that time, they, they, weren't, they were fighting modernity, to be sure, but they weren't fighting it in the same ways that we are today. They still had a basically Christian nation in, right. in Britain of, of the 1940s. But still, that was Sayers' point, is that kids even young children, and, and you have some pretty young children in your household, they need to know that whole arc of Scripture. They don't need to know disembodied Bible stories that don't give them a full grounding in who they are as Christian peoples. They need to know it as a worldview, as a, as a, as a, as a cosmological view, mm-hmm. I think, as, as Andrew Kern of Memoria Press likes to put it. Worldview is kind of the world's view, but cosm- the cosmos is God's, and, mm-hmm. and we have a full cosmological view. Mm-hmm of the story of salvation yeah it's a it's we have we understand things in story everybody yes works in story right so uh you know i can tell the story of my childhood you can tell the story of yours or we can tell the story of starting our church jesus the good shepherd and we can tell the story about uh the call of the lord um children need to have a story they need to know their place in the story their place in a family story their their place in the story of the people of god uh, and so they need to be able to to tell that story of the people of God and know their place in it. So they've got to be able to to convey that, and and that's really what's going to be the the antidote to all these mm. difficulties that you're talking about, whether it's modernity or whatever else. When they hear another story told, they've got to be able to say, well, that's not that's not that, my story. <laughs> that's not my story. Yeah. yeah, and that's not a story that uh, that inspires me or. Uh, convicts me and, and more and more in the world we see stories told about personal sacrifice and uh, and and people have a, a hunger 
and a thirst to lay down their lives for their friends. Mm. Uh, and so as Christians, we can't think, oh, because I read that verse and Jesus said that, uh, you know, that, that somehow now I have to do it. We have to be convicted in that story and we have to, to hear stories about laying down our lives that inspire us. And uh, the, the world is hungry for that story. We need to be telling more of that. Is that one of the reasons that I know in your family, um, you're very into the saints. Yes. Uh, you have a lot of books on the saints for children. And yes. we've incorporated that into the Good Shepherd School Project where every uh, late afternoon chapel before we break, contains a saint's story yeah and so tell me in in your own words yeah. how you think that the stories of the saints well, i mean what you know and the acts of the apostles when saint stephen mm-hmm. is telling you know who jesus is what does he do yes. he tells saint stories right this is what abraham did this is what moses did this is what david did these are yeah. what our our forefathers did That's, even the psalms go back over and over the the history, yeah. the whole history yeah. of what happened. You were talking about Dorothy Sayers. We can talk about C.S. Lewis. We can talk yes. about William Wilberforce. We can talk about, uh, uh, you know, St. Athanasius the Great. Uh, we can talk about St. Anthony of the Desert. and St. Augustine. Uh, yeah, My Saint son thinks we should name our new car Augustine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Augustine's mother, uh, Monica, is so oh, yeah. important. I think a story that we need to tell more for mothers that grieve over children that are not in the faith, right? Yes. And the power of their prayers and of their tears. You know, that's what St. Ambrose uh, says to Monica. She comes to his office and she's begging and pleading, you know, please talk to my son, you know, convey the faith to him, let him come to the Lord. And uh, St. Ambrose says, the Lord will not let tears such as these fall without bearing fruit, right? Yes. That uh, your your prayers and your tears will be efficacious. That's a story I think that we need to tell each other over and over again. Yes. And we we understand these stories from all over the globe. Right. We understand them from all walks of life. Right. We understand the stories of men. We understand the stories of women. We understand the stories of people who have never had children. We understand the stories of grieving mothers. Yes. When we listen to the stories of the saints who have walked before us yes. because then we can find which footsteps feel comfortable yes. to, to walk in and to learn from. Right. You know, uh, because we, uh, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, right? So yes. uh, Monica is what? She's an illiterate African woman whose husband is not a Christian and mm-hmm. whose son is going the way of apostasy. There's a lot of women around the globe who can you know, feel companionship yes. with Monica. We have to have those stories to inspire them uh, and to strengthen them. Um, I'm, I'm inspired and strengthened by that story, but uh, you know, w- there's so many stories to tell, like you say about people who, uh, you know, St. Anthony of the Desert, he couldn't read or write, uh, but yeah. yet uh, St. Athanasius the Great goes to him and says, what, what, what do we teach when there was heresy being taught? He said, what is the faith once delivered to the saints? And and uh, because of his uh, devotion to the Lord and prayer and, um, it, you know, that, that conviction in the Holy Spirit, he was able to convey the truth of the, uh, the faith. So, And you give both of these things to both your parish and to the, the parish school that, that we're working on developing. I mean, I know as our pastor, you constantly talk about incorporating Scripture into... Our daily lives yes and I think more and more people are, are doing that the daily offices in I hope. <laughs> I hope I hope they are I hope they are reading yeah um, yeah I mean there's no 
there's no choice. You have no choice. If you're going to be a Christian, you have to be reading your Bible. You every need to day. get into the Word. That's yes. you, that is you have to do that. And uh, and and the thing is that so many people get so bent up and twisted about how much or which version or it doesn't. Just read it. Yes. Bishop John David used to say the Bible is the only book that reads you. Ooh, I like that. So you could get up after your morning prayer and not remember what you read. Yes. That, that happens to me some days. I'm so distracted and, you know, there's stuff going on in my life and I get up and I've read a couple of chapters and it's like, what did I just read? But the the Holy Spirit is still working. Mm. God is still faithful. And that that is being implanted. That word is being implanted. Uh, in our our unconscious and um, just in in our being. And it's really the Holy Spirit who is is reading us and we're being uh, convicted through that. What's that bit in Romans about the Holy Spirit is is groaning in prayer for us. Yeah, that's right. And and that's a pretty constant thing Um, and a beautiful thing. And and I agree with you that, um, yeah, sometimes we get so distracted. I think this is, though, why we need to form our lives around the ideas of constant prayer and constant community mm-hmm. and things like that instead of the world's calendar. I mean, right. now my son was was just teasing me yesterday. He's like, you live by the calendar, mom. You live by the clock. And I am. I'm a very, you know, we got to do this at this time and this at this time and yada, yada, yeah. yada. And always, yeah. always That's why you get early. a lot done, Margaret. <laughs> Because you know where you are and where you're going. Yeah, that's why you're so productive. But but at the same time, if that's not anchored in prayer, I mean, I've spoken on this program before about my trip getting back into doing the daily office, and I do it four times a day. Some people only do morning prayer and evening prayer. But I do I do morning, midday, mm-hmm. evening, and, and Compline, the, the completion of the day at, mm-hmm. at late evening. And... I'm not perfect at it, but I have found that if my life is hanging on those instead mm-hmm. of what time is it, what do I have to do next, what do, that the pressures of what time is it, what do I have to do next, what's on my calendar for today mm-hmm. seem to dissipate. The Holy Spirit just, just walks in yeah. and takes care of that yeah. because I'm no longer anxious. I've trusted the time giver instead of trusting in the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, ritual and routine is essential for all of us. We talk about it more with little kids how important it is that we have ritual and routine mm-hmm. in our lives, uh, that it reduces our stress and anxiety, that it uh, you know lets us know what it is that we're doing and what it is that we're preparing to do. The order in which we do things is so important. We all know that, right? That I need to you know bathe before I get dressed. That I need to get dressed before I uh, you know go do some other thing in my day. We all know that that order and that ritual of of bathing is so important, right? We need to have, you know, these ways in which we do things. We all know that, you know, saying prayers with our children before bed are essential. Yes. Uh, but that stuff doesn't stop when we're 12 or 16 or 20. It needs to continue. We're much older. Exactly <laughs> right. In, in our daily lives because uh, it, it grounds us and, uh, you know, it, it needs to be this regular discipline. Uh, you know, and some people, you know, they think, oh, well, you know, the spontaneity of the Holy Spirit can't work if we're uh, if we're so, you know, ground in that ritual routine, but actually it frees the spirit and frees mm-hmm. us, allows us to to have a, 
uh, a rootedness and a depth so that when the spirit does speak we're ready to listen if we're always you know uh, you know our wits end and at sixes and sevens and we don't really know what's coming next and we're so distracted and stressed we're not going to hear the holy spirit when he speaks to us so the more uh, disciplined we are the the more we're able to be at ease and to be in quiet so that we can listen to the lord and that really you know to me is you know, hand in, in glove with reading the Word of God is giving the Holy Spirit time to speak to us. We have to set time aside for Him, just like we set time aside uh, for our loved ones. We set time aside to be with our children. We've got to set time aside in our daily life for the Lord, and we need to have our children see us do that. Do you think it's problematic in our world today that everything is so go, 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 and downtime mm-hmm. is considered to be some sort of laziness? Or mm-hmm. it, it, why aren't you doing something? Why mm-hmm. aren't you doing something productive? Mm-hmm. It's an American thing, right? We're we're, <laughs> we're productive, and uh, you know, uh, are you being productive? Are you being successful? What do you have to show for it? These are yeah. American ideas, aren't they? And, to some extent, uh, I, I, although the the world is getting more and more crazy busy in general, I uh, you know you know more about that than I do from your <laughs> world travels. But uh, you don't think that's kind of a, an American? Yes, but like most things, you forget how big the megaphone of America is into yeah. the world. And so more and more people are are rushing. One of the things when we went to the Gulf, you know, even in folks from, from Britain and, and Europe were saying, oh, it's, it's much more slower paced here, which it was for a while. But even there, I saw things just ramp up because people wanted to get stuff done. People wanted to be busy. People, there's almost a cult of busyness. Yeah, absolutely right. And our children can fall prey to that so easily. Absolutely what do you right. think are some of the ways that that we can well, stop I mean, the cult I, of busyness? Again, and 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 you know, let me emphasize: I love, I love being an American. I love our country. I love absolutely. that. I love that productivity. And um, this is the the recipe to end poverty, right, is get to work and, and get busy. But um, but we also, you know, on the other hand, have to have rest. We have to keep the Sabbath. We have to, yes. uh, you know, protect our Sabbath rest, and we have to protect that rest in the Lord, you know. Um, and, and so, again, we have to be doing that and showing our children have to do that. So, and, and we have to schedule it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like everything schedule else. your rest. We have Put to, that on your calendar. <laughs> we, we really do. We have to set time aside and say, okay, this is going to be my time yeah. of rest. This is going to be my time of quiet. And um, we have to set distractions aside. I think those are even more difficult in some ways than the time itself because the modern world has figured out ways to put so much into our days, <laughs> whether it's good for us or not. Yeah. And that's the evil one talking, yeah. right? right? It's like, right. well, here, let me distract your mind from the Lord so that right. you're not open to the Holy right. Spirit. My 16-year-old yesterday, she said to me, well, we figured out as uh, as Western Christians how to end uh, gladiatorial combat, you know, the bloodthirstiness of the Roman arena. So maybe we'll figure out how to end the distraction of technology. I thought, okay, that's. I guess that's that's hopeful. Maybe our our culture will come to a place where we realize we've got to turn it off. And you hear, you know, people talking about that. But uh, yeah, it, it means not getting up to answer the phone. It means turning the phone completely off. Yes. It means uh, you know putting aside, you know, turning off the television. You, Taking you walk, the apps off your phone. <laughs> I mean, as a pastor, I can't tell you how many times I've walked into somebody's home and I have to ask them to turn the television off. Ooh, right. Gosh. 
because it's on all the time and, and they don't realize that it's on all the time. So, um, you know, we have to, we have to turn the television off. We have to turn the devices off. We have to make our homes quiet. Um, and we have to, you know, we have, we have to have that quiet. Otherwise we're not going to hear from the Lord and, and we cannot be angry or upset that we're not getting a word from the Lord if we haven't been quiet. Yeah, if we're not actually listening to him. <laughs> we, we've not been hearing you, Lord, but um, that's probably because we're just too noisy. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Turn off the prices, right? Yeah, shut off the cell phone, get off social media. See, well, yeah, and mine, mine is much more social media than it is the television, because we don't own a television anymore. We, oh, well we gave one up when we went overseas because there just weren't enough English channels to bother with, yeah. and, uh, and we never got back into it. But the social media can be just as addictive, if not more so. And of course, oh, there's yeah. stuff going on in the world that you look at and you say, oh my goodness, I yeah. want to help with that. I want to, you yeah. know, I, I want to connect with other people who want to do something about that. And that can be very, very addictive. And that can be yeah. terribly addictive to our children. Because our children, yeah. they're looking for the stories, as you said. Yeah. They're looking for their purpose. They're looking for their meaning. Yeah. Especially, so. it turns out, for, uh, for young girls. Um, the, yeah, and you would know The more. rate of self-harm among Oof. teenage girls is like four heart. times higher for those that spend you know, an hour yeah. more on social media. So, you know, my word for parents out there is, you know, just turn it off, turn yes. it off and take it away. They should not be on it. They should not be connecting. And it's not real connecting. It, we all know it. Right. You're not really connecting with people. It's voyeurism. You're, you're looking in through people's windows and they're inviting you to look through their windows and it's not healthy. It's not healthy to be voyeuristic. Um, you know, we need to to have real relationships with real people and we need to be able yes. to touch them and see them and um, be able to sacrifice, you know, we're not sacrificing for the people that we see on social media, not in a real, you know, day in, day out way. So it needs to be turned off and, um, you know. Now as a mental health counselor, as yeah. well as a pastor, yeah. are there other pitfalls that you see for our children that we as Christian parents and teachers and, and Christian adults who love and want to raise good Christian children yeah. need to be thinking about and need to be watching for to help our children steer around these. I mean, you mentioned the social media. Yeah, um, social media is a, is a really big thing. Uh, you know, we need to, to have them uh, do work. They want to be productive. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about work, you know, the right work at the right age, you know, so mm -hmm. uh, and we need to have them doing work in the church. You know, so many of our yes. churches, you know, serve the children, you know, and it makes them, uh, you know, lazy and it makes us their servants. Mm. And uh, we're not teaching them how to be servants and how to serve. So it's really important in the home and in the church that children have a role to play. And uh, when they vacuum or they clean toilets <laughs> or they read the word of God. Which, which our children at Jesus the Good Shepherd have, have done. Yeah, absolutely uh, yeah. right. Uh, and uh, you know, and, and they, they go from cleaning ushers. toilets to leading worship services. I mean, in, in chapel at school. So I mean, they they've got the whole gamut of service going on there, and and all of it's to the glory of God. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and 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 when we, when we do work that is beneficial in service of others, we gain a level of competence in it. So now I'm a competent vacuumer. I'm a competent reader <laughs> of the word in, in public, right? Uh, once I'm competent at that work, I become confident. Uh, 
Right. I'm confident that I can do that. I'm confident that I can be a benefit to my family, that I can be a benefit to my church. Uh, I'm no longer a burden, which burdensomeness is one of the key factors in um, in some of the more serious mental health needs. Mm. Uh, and and now that I'm confident that I am beneficial to my family and my community, uh, now I have a true esteem for myself. That is not, um, you know, pride or the self-esteem that the world talks about, but I have uh, confidence in my competence. Uh, I know that I can do and be beneficial and be uh, a help to others. And, that's, and the Holy Spirit is not letting you go, and yep. and you can you can get this done. Yeah, and it and it forms that connection, you know. So not only am I not a burden, but I'm also not isolated. I'm I'm in community, and I'm yes. in service to others. And being in community, and that's what we talk about in in our parish from the from Acts two forty two. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. Mm-hmm. You know that community mm-hmm. is crucial, and, mm-hmm. and we've been blessed that as a small parish, we've never had to to shut down during the pandemic, and we've stayed in community Mm -hmm. and now we're god willing we can branch out and offer Mm -hmm. that community to others especially to christian parents with children we've got only a few seconds left um this has flown we were joking beforehand that you know we were worried about about filling time and uh we've we've the spirit has worked and given us what we needed, as usual. Um, Father, will you come back and talk with us more? Oh, I'd love to. Because we'd love to hear more about what's going on with the Good Shepherd School Project and just in general at yep. Jesus the Good Shepherd Anglican Church, which people can find at? VegasAnglican.org. That's V-E-G-A-S-A-N-G-L-I-C-A-N dot O-R-G. Yep. So KKVV listeners, thank you so much for being with us again. Um, Father Howard, I think you'll be back in a couple of weeks, maybe. Great, I think so. And in the meantime, have a great week. Be blessed, and we'll see you here next time on the Christian Classical Corner. Thanks so much for joining us at the Christian Classical Corner. It's been a pleasure, and we hope that it's been a blessing for you. Want to learn more? Find out more about our school project at goodshepherdhenderson.info and more about our church, where you can support our ministry at vegasanglican.org. Thank you so much. Be blessed. And we'll see you next week, Friday, 8.30 a.m., for more talk on Christian classical education.